Good morning. It's Monday, March 27, 2023. I hope everybody had a great weekend and enjoyed Sweet 16 and Elite Basketball. I know we had a good time. Unfortunately, our Gonzaga Bulldogs lost, but our San Diego State Aztecs are moving on. Why am I even saying this? Okay, start over. Good morning, everybody. It's Monday, March 27th, 2023. I'm Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer. This is my weekly economic and market commentary for the week beginning today. As a reminder, you can follow me intraweek on Twitter at ETF underscore strategist or on LinkedIn, just Herb Morgan. This is available both as a subscription-based uh, push email with ch charts and graphs and slides. It's a deck format narrated, or it's also available as audio only as a podcast on any of the major podcast formats. The name of the podcast is Slaying Bulls and Bears, Making the Complex and Complicated Simple and Sensical. The presentation you have been, uh, you're seeing and hearing has been prepared by us, Cantor Fitzgerald Investment Advisors, for use, for use by investors and financial advisors who are each expected to make their own investment decisions. Nothing contained in this presentation should be treated as investment advice. There are no recommendations for the purchase or sale of any securities. So despite another rate hike, despite financial turmoil, in the banking sector, which is the cr most critical component to the entire economy, stocks were up last week. The S&P 500 rose 1.4%. Mid-cap stocks up, small up, international markets up, emerging markets up kind of big, up over 2%. And bond markets caught a bit. Even high yield was up three-tenths of a percent. The aggregate bond, bond index as a whole up about a half a percent. Economic data was surprisingly good uh, last week, there were some surprises. The first one was existing home sales. Nobody was expecting existing home sales to jump, but they jumped at a, for a 14.5% pace, annualized pace, after 12 straight months of decline. That's the quantity of homes sold. What happened? Well, prices have been cut. You know, interest rates have gone up, making it very difficult for many buyers. People buy payments. Now we're seeing price cuts. If you like to go on the Zillow or the Redfin apps and follow your own neighborhood like I do, you'll have noticed many price cuts in the last few months. Despite that big surge last month though, sales are still down about 22.5% from a year ago volume-wise. New home sales have been experiencing the same type of decline. As interest rates rose, volume of new home sales declined. But in February, they were up 1.1% to an annualized pace of 640,000. That's pretty high when you look here over the last decade, really not that bad. Uh, but January's gain has actually revised a little bit lower, but still shows a gain. Weekly claims for unemployment remain stubbornly low. Of course, that's a good thing. We want unemployment claims to be low. We want uh, workers to earn more. We want real incomes to grow, which raises the standard of living of Americans. This is the great promise and expectation of capitalism. But right now, the labor market is seen as the tip of the spear in the fight against inflation. The Federal Reserve would like to see weekly claims for unemployment go higher to relieve price pressure, hence the continued rate hiking cycle. I think they're misguided in that regard. I think that an economy the size of the United States can and should 
produce three, four, 5% growth regularly and could do it without inflationary pressures. And the view that the inflationary pressure is driven by the labor market is inconsistent with the reality that the inflationary pressures are driven by a fiscal sector which extends itself through excessive borrowing to meet fiscal spending. If we were to reduce the fiscal spending side, it would reduce the inflationary pressure without having to put Americans out of work. Unfortunately though, the Congress is certainly unwilling to do that. So the Federal Reserve is left with the tools that it has, balance sheet runoff and short-term interest rates. So they continue to raise uh, the federal funds rate. There is another 25 basis point last week. But initial claims were still very low and we're thankful for that. Durable goods uh, orders fell in February. They're expected to go up a little bit, backing out transportation. They were unchanged after rising four tenths of a percent in January. We got the flash readings from S&P Global on their two PMIs, Purchasing Managers Index. The uh, manufacturing PMI uh, rose from 47.3 to 49.3. Now that still signals a decline in manufacturing. Anything below 50 is a decline. You can see one, two, three, four, five consecutive months of declines in manufacturing, but awfully close to not declining at all in the month of March. And that's a flash reading. It's today's March 27th. We will get a final reading next week. But still, that surprise up, that close to the 50 line, gives uh, sort of fuel in a, a, to the argument that we could have a soft landing. I believe we've already entered recession. I believe the recession is going to be mild, job losses will be limited, and the banking issues that are required, that are basically forcing banks to tighten lending standards will serve as a natural remedy to inflation, as opposed to the need for further rate hikes. Services, which represents a much larger portion of the US economy, the S&P Global Services, PMI, rose from 50.6, that's expansion last month, uh, to 53.8, flash reading for March, uh, well above the estimates of 50.3, highest reading in quite some time, second consecutive month uh, of expansion after seven months of contraction for the services sector. Um, that's one of the reasons the jobs are hanging in there and doing so incredibly well. But the biggest news last week was what would the Fed do and how would the Fed guide? They ended up raising the target Fed funds by a quarter point to a new range of 475 to five. Now there was probably eight out of 10 prognosticators thought they would do that. Two out of 10 thought they would not. And you know, even of those eight, many thought they shouldn't, uh, including yours truly, and they did. Uh, so I think it just sets them up essentially to have to cut rates uh, sooner. Uh, in their statement, they said jobs were, get, were running at a robust pace and inflation remains elevated. That's true. They failed to, to mention that, that policy works with a lag, something they do say often, and that they've taken tremendous steps to bring in inflation. And um, true, the headline numbers are still elevated. They took time to remove the discussion about Russia-Ukraine war impacting the economy to state that the banking system is sound, but that recent developments are likely to result in tighter credit and to weigh on economic activity, hiring, and inflation. Well, these are the objectives the Fed is trying to accomplish, right? They want inflation to come down 
you could bring inflation down by reducing aggregate demand. You could reduce aggregate demand by reducing deficit finance fiscal spending, but that's not the Fed's purview. The Fed only has the tools it has. It would be the Congress that would have to do that. Um, and so they have given a nod to the fact that they really now believe economic activity is slowing. As I've said before, I believe we are, we are in a very mild recession already. Um, they said they remain highly attentive to inflation risks, and as such, they raise interest rates another quarter of a point. But the language in the prior months, which had said there will be ongoing increases in the target range, was modified. Now that language reads, some additional policy firming may be appropriate. So they've given themselves more of a, hey, we're going to watch the data, we're going to watch the inflation numbers, we're going to watch financial credit conditions, and we'll decide on a month by month basis. The futures markets, however, are saying that there is no, almost no chance, I shouldn't say that, almost four, there's a 44% chance of another 25 basis point hike on May 3rd. So we've got quite a bit of time between now and May 3rd. Data will come in, banking sector will stabilize or deteriorate, and that may determine their path. But as of right now, the collective market Fed funds futures says there's only a 44% chance of a 25 basis point hike on May 3rd and predicting uh, that there will actually be rate cuts starting in July, an additional cut in November, December, and January. So um, what's happening with financial conditions? This is a graph of the Bloomberg U.S. Financial Conditions Index. Uh, it has, as you can see, turned negative below zero. That means credit is tightening, conditions are tightening. That is disinflationary. And it, it can precede or predict recession. You can see here's back to the 2000, 2001 recession, kind of a little bit more negative than where we are now. The 2008 situation, far more negative. And the 2020, uh, very, very mild recession because we had so much economic stimulus uh, to deal with the COVID um, situation. But as I've said, uh, I do think jobs are, we're going to start seeing the jobs numbers turn. One of the reasons I say that is this challenger U.S. job cut announcements report. So this is companies that have announced job cuts uh, are coming. We're going to lay off 5,000, we're going to lay off 10,000, 8,000, 2,000, whatever that number is. When that number spikes, it's often spiking in the middle of a recession. And so you go back, there's the 2001 recession, there's the 2008, there's the 2020, and we're essentially there. A couple more announcements and we'll be really definitively there. Uh, but I don't think this is going to be a deep recession. I don't think there's going to be significant job loss. There's going to be some, as I said, here they are, but I don't think this is going to be anywhere like what we saw in the prior three recessions. Uh, and the stock market seems okay with everything that's happening, right? Here we are worried about the banking system, we're worried about inflation, we're worried about all kinds of things, and the NASDAQ 100 composite from its low is up 20%. This is kind of my good example for one of the things I like to talk about. People say, oh, well, they open their statement right here, let's say, you know, and they say, gosh, I'm down, I've lost, I've done this, I've done that. And they say, well, you're really not because you didn't buy at the all-time high and you didn't sell at the all-time low. Investing always has been and always will be, in my view, a long-term process. Not just meaning it takes a lot of calendar years, 
but it means that you invest regularly and you invest consistently. Sometimes you buy lows, sometimes you buy highs, and that we also believe, just sort of one of the things we just accept in, as, a, as, a, as a true truism, is that over time, markets always tend to go higher. And ultimately, even though we go through cycles of downturns, we then recover and go to new all-time highs. As I like to say, the ups are permanent and the downs are temporary. Still, I get a lot of phone calls when the markets are down. Now, here we are uh, up about 20%. Uh, almost 20% on the NASDAQ 100 index. Why, why, what's going on there? Well, they're seeing the end of the Fed rate hikes and, then, and these tech companies, big tech companies, were one of the biggest negative beneficiaries of the rate hikes. And we're now really looking at the end of that rate hike cycle. However, doesn't mean anything, we're out of the woods because look at this, this is the St. Louis Fed Bank Financial Stress Index. Banks are stressed. I showed you the TED spread last week. You can see stress is elevated. Last time we got to this level, we went into recession. The time before that we got to this level, we went into recession. If you want to cool the economy, you want to cool inflationary pressures, have banks stop making loans. And I can tell you, if you need a business loan or anything like that, small business, that those, those credit markets have seized up in recent weeks as banks want to hold on to their liquidity. And that will cool the economy that is disinflationary, and I think the Fed knows that, and that's why they changed the language in that statement last week. Okay, no big economic data, but we've got plenty the rest of the week. Wholesale inventories, house prices from both FHFA and Case Schiller on Tuesday, along with another consumer confidence reading. Pending home sales Wednesday, jobless claims, fourth quarter GDP expected to be unchanged from the prior report. And then we've got personal income and spending, the big one, February PCE price index comes out on Friday, along with Chicago PMI and more consumer sentiment. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll be back to you again in one week.